attracting a fully integrated human I am attracting a fully integrated human being well I am attracting a fully integrated human so why don't you come and see what true love means you can find love Dojo Radio, health, homesteading, and human potential. This podcast is for leaders and initiates in pursuit of a sovereign, creative, and abundant lifestyle. Using story as medicine to uncover allergies and addictions that block our life's potentials. Dojo Radio is your training ground for the truth. Discussions and interviewed curated to lead you to creating the life you are born to live. Dojo Radio is supported by Jar Joy Goods, Jar Totes, and Wooden Accessories. Jar Joy Goods was created simply for the daily jar user to be able to take their healthy foods, snacks, smoothies, and drinks on the go in a custom jar tote, a tote made just for jars. So you could carry your healthy creations with you throughout your day and keep them healthy because the products are made of organic waxed cotton, hemp, or solid wood. So go to Jar Joy Goods com to see the goods. Today on the show, we have Jeff Weitzman. He's an award-winning filmmaker, musician, speaker, and writer. He has authored three albums with his band, Jeff Weitzman and the Jealous Housewives, 2000 to 2012, and six documentary films in the last six years, including Cancer Can Be Killed, his latest film, and his latest film, Belief, Beliefs and Stories, explores the way emotional, spiritual issues affect disease. Jeff is currently separating from the U.S. government and diving into regenerative farming. The super wise, uncompromised, always has his wits about him, freedom keeper, Jeff Weitzman. Welcome to Dojo Radio. <laughs> hey, Chris, how you doing? Great, great to have you on the show. I'm really excited. I, I just have to share a story of how I first heard my wife was uh, watching a video of you in La Cunada of all places. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Talking to poor manager, poor <laughs> managers, and just saying all the things that we knew in our hearts and, mm -hmm. and to be the truth and the law. Mm -hmm. And you just had a way of cutting through and talking to people and explain, even if they didn't want to hear, they heard it. They heard mm -hmm. the truth from you. And mm -hmm. I just really, really, we really inspired us to uh, be a part of that movement and keep, you know, exploring the truth. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for that. Yeah, man. Thanks. And just, you know, to share the context for the listeners, um, this was during the sort of the mask craziness and, I had tried to get into my local farmer's market and they wouldn't let me in um, because they didn't have a mask. And I said, I'd compromise and wear a face shield. And even that wasn't <laughs> good enough for them. And they had the police usher me out of there. <laughs> and I was yelling and screaming. It was not a, a good scene. And after that happened, I, I kind of went quiet for about four or five months to really get a spiritual solution to the problem, which is, you know, as, as a result of all the films I'm, I've made, I knew without a shadow of a doubt 
that there is no virus that can't be treated on this earth. And uh -huh. I, I knew that masks were absolutely ridiculous, not essential. And if people want to wear them, that's fine, but there's no reason to make everybody wear them. And so yeah. I would go to Sprouts and Sprouts, um, gro grocery stores, they were like Nazis with their mask stuff and they would refuse to check me out and just be really belligerent. And I think that was, you know, the hardest thing about that time period was just how inhumane people were to each other. And everybody got bamboozled, you know, to the point where they were all losing their integrity. So I would just go in there basically and just show them the law and, mm -hmm. you know, uh, be loving to them and just tell them the way it is. And then when they refused to check me out, I would just pay cash. And mm -hmm. then when they tried to arrest me, I would let them write me a ticket for trespassing. But then the district attorney wouldn't follow up on that ticket. So I would just go back in the store and keep doing it over and over. And I would film it each time. And it was the filming of the experience that eventually brought Sprouts to their knees because the CEO mm. could not stand all the the way it went viral. And he couldn't stand the way they were being shown up. And it just made them look really bad. So after that experience, the CEO just said, okay, no more mask mandates for anybody nationwide. <laughs> and that was like six weeks before any governor, you know, said we could get off the mask mandates temporarily. And then even when they did put us back on mask mandates, this, this, you know, Sprouts still stayed true to their word and didn't enforce it anymore. So that was really kind of a watershed moment i feel like in the movement yeah and and it really snowballed in effects of your work i mean you went on to to bring hold people hold people's feet to the fire but before we get into all of that i just wanted to also relay how it hit home for me mm -hmm. because uh, my family's from that area i, I was born in la Cunata. I was fortunately, oh, wow. yeah, I was fortunately born at home and didn't have my parents. Thank you, mom and dad for not jabbing me up when I was born into this world. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, fortunately, but no, that just seeing you, you know, speak your truth in that place. I was so connected to that was just really powerful for me, but you've taken this to a whole nother level. <laughs> you've, you've really like, I, I don't know, talk about the, the schools, the work you've done with the, the public schools. Yeah. You know, it just kept going on and on because there were more people that were disrespecting, you know, employees and shoppers. And so I just, wherever the worst people were with that stuff, I would just show them the law in a loving way and, and just ask them what they were going to do about it. You know, how do you want to accommodate the law? And it, it always had some kind of an effect. And so the, eventually I got so fed up with the school situation and we realized uh, that there were actual laws on the books protecting children from this kind of abuse. And they're allowed to do what's called a peaceful protest and that's protected under the constitution. And so, mm -hmm you know, they were kicking kids out of school for not wearing masks. They were not accepting their work. And so I was able to rally with parents 
it was so beautiful in Riverside County. These parents were very aggressive and, and there were like a hundred parents behind me and we would go up to the principal and serve them with a notice, you know, a demand for correction, a legal document. And, and I would say, I'm serving you notice and your refusal to honor the law will have consequences and we intend to prosecute you if you don't follow it. Mm. And, um, you know, we said, you cannot kick a child out of school for a peaceful protest. You have to accept their work and you have to provide them with a safe place to go during the day. They can't be kicked out. And, you know, at first, um, it, it worked really well, but then schools started getting afraid and principals would just run from me and they would lock themselves in their offices and, and they would say, we're going to call the police. And I would say, yes, please do. And then the police would come and I would have the police serve them with the paperwork. Mm. They even hired an ex-cop to try to stop me from getting in. And that didn't work. <laughs> I was still able to get in. And I just brought a member of the sheriff's department in with me. And we went right by the, the ex-cop. And it was funny because afterwards, when I came out of that school, the ex-cop was like very cordial with me. And he was like, hey, um, you know, thank you for being, um, you know, generous in this whole thing. You're not being a jerk. And he said, you're good at what you do. And it was such a cool moment, you know, to know that at, at the level that, that these guys are at in law enforcement, they at least knew that what I was doing was right, even if they couldn't enforce it because their hands were tied. So the greatest thing that happened in the whole thing with schools is we got parents united. They were speaking with each other. They knew their rights. And now, you know, more and more of them are pulling their kids out of public education and choosing other options. And so, yeah, the work just keeps having a ripple effect. Yeah. That's also near and dear to my heart. Um, before all the craziness happened, we were down in Los Angeles and ironically I was working in health food stores. Um, but my daughter was, uh, just entering kindergarten. And so when those original mandates came out, the Correct me on that SB 276. Yeah, 276 is the second one. I think 277 was the first one. Yeah. And so we were like, we're not going to put our daughter through this, you know, mm -hmm. that she has to get all these vaccines in order just to be in public school. Yeah. Uh, so it just worked out that I ended up getting a job and moved to, to Oregon to work on a regenerative farm. Um, but, but, you know, that was where we were at. And so it kind of inspired us to do the homeschooling thing and, and just be a little more connected to nature and kind of outside the system. How hard was that? Hard to, to, to make the leave choice, to, well, to make the choice to do homeschooling. Um, it was a no brainer for me, <laughs> for our family. Um, the hard part was finding the belief inside of myself that I could do something different. Mm. And then overcoming the what seemed like insurmountable challenges to get outside of this habituated lifestyle in in the big technocracy, mm -hmm. you know, like you're so you just go through the motions every single day, mm -hmm. and you're like, how can I possibly conceive going and living in harmony with nature? Mm -hmm. I'm not set up to do that. I went to public school. I don't think like that. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So, so. Yeah. I, and it, what's funny is now there's so many of us in the same boat you are. Uh-huh. Exactly. So, yeah. It's crazy. So talk about that. You bought yeah. a farm? Yeah. I bought a farm, closed escrow on it yesterday. The people that live there wanted 30 days to um, find another place. And then I'm going to occupy the farm uh, July 15th. And it's five acres, two nice. and a half, two and a half acres is already really pretty well developed. They don't use any pesticides. They're not regenerative farmers. They are just natural farmers in a sense. And mm -hmm. they probably don't use as much water as they should on their avocado trees. And their primary crop, and it's a cash crop, is a type of flower called a protea flower, which is the official flower of South Africa. It's very exotic and it's beautiful. And uh, it actually makes a lot of money for them. So, um, you know, right away from day one, I'll be, you know, managing a cash crop of flowers and getting them out. And um, we're probably going to get some farmers market type of visibility and then try to connect with some other people. There's already a wholesaler we can get them to, but that's, you know, like giving them away basically, because we could make so much mm -hmm. more money than that. And when I say we, it's cool because it's my son, Connor, he's 26. Um, and then my goddaughter, Meryl, she's 29. My girlfriend, Gina, and then my own daughter, Haley, who is an engineer, but she's maybe going to work part-time as an engineer and then part-time on the farm. So we've already got a crew that, uh, you know, we can all work together and create something. And there's out of the five acres, Chris, two and a half acres are developed and mm -hmm. another two and a half acres are not developed at all. And I'm super excited to create the compost pile to start the process of regenerative farming, which is, you know, a long process to create the soil with permaculture mm -hmm. and wood chips and all the other things that can be used to create soil. And then I want to create an area for animals, uh, especially goats and chickens. And we want to dig a well and put a solar device in. And all of this we'll be doing without any government interference. Nice. And, and that took some work. That, that's the journey I've been on for a year that was as daunting as I feel like your journey of like, oh my God, <laughs> how do I go from being a public educated person to living on a farm, regenerative farm, homeschooling my kid? It's almost like going back to the, you know, 17 and 1800s and learning how to live that life. Yeah. In a, in a way it is. So, so can you describe what kind of uh, hurdles or legal framework you had to get through to sure. be a, a free farmer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And what, what happens is in California, at least they have building codes. And yeah. so they say, you can do this, but you can't do this. And we can tell you this. And I have been on this journey for over a year of what does it mean to be sovereign? What does it mean to have no government interference? Cause during the whole COVID scam, you know, I was, I was aware that this is the beginning and it's just going to keep going and they're going to go as far as they can until we stop them. 
And, mm-hmm. and who's going to stop them? How, how are we going to stop them? And then can we duplicate that to other people? So everything I look for is always like, what's the mic drop for this particular situation, which, you know, in this case is get the government out of my business, get the government off my farm. And so the first process was I had to change my status, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, and the birth certificate, a lot of people don't know this, but on the birth certificate, you know, they have your name in all caps and your mother basically signs away your life. And then they sell you for your future productivity on the bond market. And that account is just making thousands and thousands of dollars until the point where, you know, when you get older, it's worth like $150 million. And the sale of that is what's funding the United States. It's not the tax system Mm because tax revenue is not enough to pay for everything. And by the way, you know, there's another thing that all taxes, income taxes are um, voluntary. They're only voluntary though, if you're set up as a non-citizen national, which is what ends up happening when you take your status, change your status and take ownership of that fictional entity that they've been selling on the bond market. So Mm -hmm. Jeffrey Allen Weitzman in all capital letters, that's the fictional entity they've been selling. And so what I did when I changed my status with the help of a legal expert was we filed paperwork to say, I now, Jeffrey Allen of the House of Weitzman, I now am in control of that fictional entity. You don't have it anymore. And so you have no jurisdiction over me anymore. I'm a free being and I'm what's known as a non-citizen national. So I'm no longer a federal citizen. I'm just a state citizen. And I will be getting something called a national passport, which Uh says as much. It also says on there, do not detain this individual. So if I ever get pulled over by the cops, I give them the national passport and they go, okay, be on your way. Because a lot of the things that they, now that's if I'm not doing anything unlawful. If I'm driving 95 miles an hour recklessly, that's Uh unlawful. But if I'm driving 70 and a 65 and they pull me over, I can show them the national passport and say, I'm I'm not privy to your codes and your statutes. I'm only, you know, you can only get me for something unlawful. So- That's what sets me apart from the federal government. Then in terms of my property, I purchased the property with an irrevocable business trust. And and what that does is it's a contract between individuals that the government cannot interfere with because there's a law saying that the government cannot interfere with private contracts between individuals. And so this irrevocable business trust is... Uh, something they can't touch. I purchased the house with that trust. That trust can't be taxed. Um, And so- Say it again, irrevocable- Irrevocable business trust. And and that's what the farm is under? That's, that's, I purchased the farm with my irrevocable business trust, not as Jeff Weitzman. I purchased it as Sink or Swim Productions Business Trust. And then can you also then- purchase your vehicles through that trust and then yes. it's your yeah. personal person won't be held liable on in the driving on the roads. Right. I still need insurance. You still need insurance. Uh-huh. I still have to have insurance. Now here's the other thing about getting the property. I am now in the process of getting the land patents 
What they don't uh-huh. tell you when you buy a property is you only get the deed to the property. The deed is meaningless. It's just a piece of paper that says you owe this or you own this, except we, the government, can do whatever we want and come in and tell you what to do. And so in order to get away from that scenario, you have to get the land patents and that can be done with the help of a, a, a lawyer. And once you have those, you're golden. They can't touch you. Interesting. Can um, can you circle back to where you were in just explaining to people? So you as a, like right now, capital letters, Christopher Thomas Lyons yes. is property of the U.S. government corporation and then is sold to the Federal Reserve? You're sold on the bond market. On the bond so, market. Yeah. And people purchase um, shares of your bond based on your your future productivity, mm-hmm. uh, which, you know, try to wrap your head around that one. I mean, it makes no sense. And this is how the psychopaths operate. <laughs> you know, mm. they just, they just find an excuse to print paper or to print dollars or to print anything and say, okay, here's a value. And then, um, who wants to buy it? And somebody goes, I'll buy it. How much are you going to give me? And they go, well, we'll give you 2% for it. Okay, great. Here, here's the money. Give me the 2%. I mean, it's also completely insane. Yeah, that's insanity. Uh, man, okay. So you you have the, the um, where, where did you go to now? You said now you have the, to purchase the rights of the land. What did you call it? So yeah, land patents. Land patents. Yeah, that's that. And by the way, everybody like prior to 1900, they got the land patents whenever they bought a property. And then like in the 30s or 40s somewhere, the government figured out, hey, let's just give them a deed. Then they don't really own the land. And then we kind of still own the land. And then they have to do what we tell them. It's so devious. Um, But that's what we're, you know, this is the age of enlightenment right now where we're turning the clock back and we're going, okay, we're finding out every single way that you committed fraud and we're going to expose that fraud. And the Mm -hmm. moment we do expose it, you're going to have to walk it back. Yeah. This is extremely healing work because I'll just give it a little more context because I I mentioned I grew up or I was born in La Cunada and well, actually my great, great grandfather owned very a lot of like palm drive and like over and there's actually a street named after our family but because he didn't know that straight yeah lion's drive right i was i was i was born on lion's drive crazy crazy right nice yeah I, i feel very connected to that place but the what i'm saying is that that generation didn't have this information or they, mm-hmm. it was it was blocked from them mm-hmm. so then it became it became this um this thing you know like where oh well we're in control of this and for our family it was like this you know huge thing like oh we lost all this land because mm. we didn't have the information mm. on how on 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 what ultimately is our our birthright mm-hmm. to co-create with nature mm-hmm <laughs> and so this is just like nailing home with me. Um, it, that's just absolutely amazing. And I've heard, you know, rumblings of these things throughout the years. And it's almost become like a, like a myth 
right? Like sure. that you could that you could do these things because I think that those who are in control of the information they they just they don't want you to believe that or you know, just put it into that conspiracy category that it just oh that's crazy that's just crazy talk well and and chris my goal personally is to find the words to make this relevant and understandable for everybody and i feel like that's been my passion and my mission for the last 7 years you know, when my wife was diagnosed with cancer, bladder mm -hmm. cancer, and they told her, we're going to have to take your bladder out and, you know, cut your vagina in half, give you chemo and radiation, 50% chance of survival. Instead, we went to Germany and treated it naturally, and her cancer was completely gone in 30 days. And they did that with focused heat, IV nutrients, and ozone. You know, for me, that was the wake-up call that like, oh my God, something's terribly, terribly wrong with our entire healthcare system. And, you know, these doctors are not bad people. They've just been brainwashed. And so I had to find the words mm. to, to explain what's going on. I wasn't a filmmaker. I, I was, my, my background is being creative with music and I did start out acting, but I got out of that and it was mostly in, in music and writing, but I had to, had to find a way to get mentored by other filmmakers so that I could make this film to make it understandable. And I did. And the film Cancer Can Be Killed came out and it was so popular that the federal government had to ban it. And the way they did it is they had Adam Schiff write a letter to Jeff Bezos of Amazon saying, what are you doing to control the medically inaccurate information on your site? And after they did that, you know, two of my films were pulled from Amazon and you know, that even showed me in a deeper way, just how deep the lie goes. And so, you know, fueled by that anger of watching people get killed, I, you know, my, my mission became, all right, <laughs> you, you guys want to take me on? Here we go. Let's go. I'm, I'm going to make films. I'm going to show it. I'm going to document it. And I will expose you every step of the way. And, you know, we are going to take back uh, humanity and this earth and get it out of the psychopath's hands. Well, I think this is exactly where we meet up as far as our belief system. I started out in health and nutrition and understanding that ultimately spirituality and understanding knowledge of self and knowing that we create our own reality. And when you said you needed to find the words yeah th this is this is what i'm doing right now <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> right you know obviously i'm starting a podcast so i can learn to speak better and think and articulate and all those things and learn firsthand from teachers like yourself but our words are we are, they we each have individual meanings right like every one of us has our own definition inside of us unique to us for a word and that like the work that i'm doing right now it's all about we are a, we either have an allergy or an addiction mm -hmm. to different areas in our life mm -hmm. def defined by the word you know mm -hmm. so when you say healing we can do an exercise right now where 
you just throw out all the all the cinnamon synonyms that are that go with with healing mm -hmm. and then we can take all of that and redefine it and and break it pull it down into a nutshell of like okay we both agree that it's this 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 and this is healing and we take that and we and we turn it into a vibrational frequency and we align with it and when we've both done that when we've taken that definition and we've redefined it either individually or collectively and we attuned that frequency then that it you're completely unstoppable like your your work like no agency or government can can f with with that particular thing because it's completely aligned and it's a rocket that is going to its destination and yeah, I it, just yeah i i just want to say chris that i'm totally with you i think what surprises me about that process is that it takes work and the work doesn't stop just because I found that frequency and that healing frequency, even for myself, that I can wake up the next day and go right back into wanting to be a child and wanting to be taken care of. Mm -hmm. And so I, it's just kind of, a, it's a mind blower to me yeah. that life, you know, there's no nirvana that it's just, it's just continual work, but the work always produces great results so much so that you want to just keep going. I think. You do. I do because it, well, it's a journey, right? Yeah. And like when I saw your movie um, about your wife um, mm -hmm. and she had this, she had this healing and it was miraculous and how amazing that had, had been for you and her to have experienced that. And then it changed. Right. 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 And yeah, it's, it's like, that's, that's the work, right? Like, it's like, we're not, it's never over. Like it, it may be, it may be right. Like it may, that might be the outcome that eventually is more like continues on. But I think for myself is that what I experience is that I get to a certain level and it shows me through the tumultuousness or the storm that I have more work to do around that area. <laughs> for sure. And, <laughs> and, and what was interesting about her, my wife, was that after she got back from Germany, she changed her nutrition. She changed a lot of aspects about her lifestyle. She got real healthy, but then the cancer came back. And, you know, five and a half, five and a quarter years later, it took her life. And what we learned from that was that unless a person deals with the emotional issues underneath their cancer, no amount of holistic treatment in the world can fix the problem, which mm -hmm. gets to this thought that you have, which is that we all have some sort of an allergy or addiction, and you can put a number of different words to it, but there is a journey. There's a process, a road that we all have to go down if we want to be whole, where we have to somehow address those areas in our childhood where we got victimized where we weren't able to stand up for ourselves, where somebody took advantage of us. Cause that that's in my experience, that's the thing that is like the cancer drug. That's the thing that creates the cancer. And if a person, cause I've seen people heal from cancer and they do it emotionally by saying, that's it. I'm dumping my old life completely. And I'm, I'm creating something new. 
And now I'm going to be true to my authentic self. I'm no longer going to serve any of those voices that I listened to before. And it was so cool. My wife leveled up at the end of her life and her mantra, like the last couple months of her life was fuck all y'all. This is my life. And if you have a problem, go deal with it. Mm. And I didn't hear that from her the 29 years we were married until the last two months of her life. And it was so exhilarating for me to hear that because I realized she did it. You know, she got there. It, it may have taken her, you know, 58, 59 years to do it, but she got there. She got to that place where she was finally able to stand up for herself and not be a people pleaser and just listen to her own voice. Yeah. That's so cool. Hmm. a place that I would like to get to. <laughs> so when are, when are you going to go and serve all these cancer doctors and take them to task? Yeah. I think the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to be subversive. So um, I'm going to get one of these EE systems that Dr. Michael has in Las Vegas. Uh, Jason Shirka with Unified has done a film about it. It's on YouTube. It's it, basically it's scalar technology. It's frequencies mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's the real deal. I mean, it's this guy, Rife, the Rife machine. He's the original yeah. guy to do it. And it was working so well. They had to destroy all his equipment. And um, so I want to get one of those machines because I know they work and I've, I've you know, seen it in practice. I want to get one of those on the farm and I want to, you know, allow people to come and get healed. Yeah. And yeah. I know we're all suffering from radiation poisoning right now. So I, myself, that's selfishly, I want one of those machines just to heal my own radiation poisoning. Yeah. And, um, so I want to be subversive first and just start healing people and letting people know that healing is possible. And then in terms of Western medicine, what I want to do is help other doctors set up their private membership associations so that no member of the government can come in and tell them what to do and they can practice however they want to practice. Mm. And, and that's been the, the big uh, lie that Western medicine has done is over the last 20 years, they've completely taken away a doctor's ability to think for themselves. And they've told them exactly what they have to do. And that's so far from health you know, it's ridiculous. And so as we get more of these doctors privatized, helping people, serving them, you know, word's going to get out there and mm -hmm. more and more people will get rid of their insurance and, you know, we'll create new insurance that's just for holistic stuff and our system will be better. And so this is my philosophy is they're all going to fall on their swords. You know, all these members of Western medicine, public education, politics, and when they do fall on their swords, we'll, you know, have the parallel society that'll just be better. Yeah. So how do you see uh, communities? Like when you say society will be better, how, how do you see it manifesting now and changing yeah. in the near future? Yeah. So we'll be doing everything word of mouth, you know, with each other, maybe even like analog style, you know, without the digital stuff, maybe just. T telling each other, you know, but we'll have our own schools and everybody will communicate at the schools. And then we'll have our own events like concerts every month. I'm going to try to build a barn on my property 
nice. that is huge and has a sound system and we're just going to have concerts there and maybe some theater and um you know just invite people to come out and we'll all get to know each other and and just help each other and it's, it's just going to grow you know i mean that's what everybody wants everybody wants people to be involved with nobody wants to be isolated and they've just been waiting for somebody to come out there who's not trying to take their money from them and we won't have a need to take their money from them because mm -hmm. we we will already know how to grow our own food and you know take care of each other in that way but also money is not i've learned that money is not hard to come by if you just know what the deep state's going to do for example the deep, deep state has said that they're going to crash the economy so that they can set up a one world you know digital banking system and have a digital id for everybody and so i took them at their word and i invested in the stock market to crash i bought put options mm. and and was able to just make enough money to buy this five acres and this farm in cash so i don't even have to use a bank to mortgage it and that's how easy it is to make money once you get on that wavelength mm. of understanding what the deep state's going to do, listening to God, knowing what, what God is saying. There's so much confusion that people have because they've never really been introduced to the real God. And once they, you know, get to know themselves, get to know the real God, then they can see the lie for what it is. And they know exactly what's going on. You know, because the media is just so stupid. They tell you exactly what they're going to do. Mm -hmm. and, and then you just play off that and can make the money. Well, they have to tell you, right? They, and, and it's part of their sick thing is they, they love to sort of uh, virtue signal and sort of tell you ahead of time. They have some sick need to tell you ahead of time what they're going to do. So what happened to you personally to help you? what what happened that you yeah. were able to get this to yeah, understand I, this i've been a recovering addict for 29 years and a recovering member of al-anon for 24 years my addiction was sex because i was sexually abused as a kid and a lot of us that were sexually abused want to control that as adults and so mm. porn was like a natural controlling outlet for me and it just stopped working you know in my 30s and once I got married and had a good marriage and I, I just had to stop. So I got into a program and as I got into that program and then got into the Al-Anon program to deal with my father's alcoholism, I, I started waking up to this idea of a higher power separate from religion, mm -hmm. you know, which has its own agenda. That's why it's not perfect. And at, as I started working the steps and working through you know, this process of, you know, I'm powerless over this problem and my life is unmanageable, came to believe that a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity and then turn my will over to God and then did this inventory, you know, to find out what my part was in all of my resentments and fears and bizarre behavior. That's when I got on the road to seeing things clearly. And then I stopped like functioning in, in the slave system matrix. And I started going separate. So I, instead of getting a record deal, I produced my own music and then I would sell my music to TV and films. And that way I could be separate from anybody controlling me. 
And that just built on itself. And then when my wife died of cancer a couple of years ago, that was the thing that really launched me mm. into taking responsibility for everything. Because now I was, I was naked and alone in the universe. You know, that's like, yeah. I think a lot for a lot of us, that's our biggest fear. And I had to find a way to take responsibility for everything. And, you know, that after that, I felt like I was swimming in an ocean of God because I no mm -hmm. longer had any fallbacks. I no longer had anything I could sort of escape to. It was yeah. like, it was like you either level up and connect with God or, you know, why don't you just cash in your chips right now and just, you know, die. Like a lot of other people whose spouses die from cancer, they just, you know, a lot of them never recover. They just yeah. are, you know, so devastated. But um, because my wife, you know, on, on her deathbed, she was like, I want you to continue. I want you to continue doing the work you're doing. Don't stop. I'm with you. I'll be with you every step of the way. And I think that gave me the impetus to not wallow in self-pity and, and do the hard work of trying to take responsibility. Responsibility. So what does responsibility mean to you? Yeah, I know, right? Um, it, it, means, it means that no, nobody has the power to affect my emotional state other than me. And if I'm playing that game, where I'm saying, oh, you know, you hurt me and you did this to me. And, you know, whether that's the government or it's another person or it's somebody I need something from or whatever, I'm not taking responsibility because I'm not taking responsibility for my part. And, you know, my part is as I give to the world, the world gives back to me. As I give love, love comes back to me. You know, the truths in this universe, which is all as well. I am loved. I can trust what's inside me. Um, and so, you know, taking responsibility is, is saying, if I have a resentment, if I have a fear, that's something I can do something about, you know, mm. I, I can find out what my part is in that, where I'm, you know, holding on, where I'm not, um, willing to embody the higher self. I'm not willing to embody my adult or my authentic self. I'm, I'm, you know, just wallowing and wanting to be a child or wanting you know, the love that I didn't get in childhood or whatever that stuff is, you know, taking responsibility for me means saying, I'm, I'm going to go beyond that. I'm going to go beyond the deck of cards that I was given at birth with my family and all of their stuff they had. And I'm, I'm gonna, now going to identify with the inalienable rights I have with God, which is that, you know, I am loved. I can trust what's in here. All is well. You know, if I want to be, I'm, I can be swimming in an ocean of God and everything that happens in my life is an opportunity. It's not just bad stuff that happens to me. It's an opportunity for me to grow, to move on to the next thing that I need. So I don't know if that sounds too pie in the nah. sky, but that's the way it's worked for me. I don't know. I don't know why, but we all can read a certain amount of books to intellectually understand all the things that you just said, but at some point it has to, you have to have like a full body experience with it, like really embody that, that responsibility mm. that 
you no longer because for me I was into this stuff like from an early age because I had like learning disabilities and mm -hmm. you know alcohol problems and stuff and you know mm. kind of a a lash out from my religious upbringing or whatever mm. but I I understood all these things very well intellectually and even thought that I understood them whatever in my in my energy field but it it didn't really fully connect until I had this in lack of better words embodiment where it's just like i gave i gave it up to god sounds like I you surrendered stopped trying to control it ah it, right mm -hmm. so i would i'm really interested in i know you've already given everybody like like the most clear <laughs> like path to sovereignty but can you define more like you've given actual step by steps and that's so appreciated. Can you define more what, cause this is the buzzword going around right now is sovereign. Like what does it mean to be sovereign? Yeah. I, you know, for me, it starts um, with, you know, emotionally just with me and me alone. And, you know, sovereignty is saying, I will no longer give anybody the power to, dictate how I feel and I will own my part in what I'm feeling. And, you know, that's not to say that people won't hurt me or people don't do bad things to me. There's a saying in Al-Anon, you say something that's to somebody once and either they get it or you get it. They get what you're saying and they, you know, act accordingly, or you get it that they're unavailable. And if they're unavailable, then that's a signal to move on. And it, it's like, God never says no. God says, yes, not now, or I've got something better. So if they're not available, that just means, oh, okay, they're not the person I'm supposed to work this thing out with. But that's, you know, once you have that in place, that sovereignty, then you can start to expand that mm -hmm. into every area of your life. And so let's go to health next, because man, without your health, you got nothing. <laughs> and, <laughs> and for me, you know, there's something called inflammatory foods. There's foods that create inflammation in the body and that's the root of all disease. So for me, um, you know, that's sugar, processed sugar, not fruit sugar, but processed sugar, um, dairy, gluten, and then red meat is kind of tricky. I'm I take digestive enzymes whenever I eat red meat. I only eat pasture-fed, non-antibiotic, non-hormone-related beef from farmers that I know. Um, and, and so, and and I don't eat as much red meat as I do, you know, fish and chicken. And then um, I haven't been sick in six years, other than getting radiation poisoning from a five G tower that knocked me out for a couple of weeks and gave me something that you know, they called COVID, but <laughs> for me, it was just radiation poisoning straight up. And, um, that's the only time I've been sick in the last six years. So that, that's a type of sovereignty, right? Because uh -huh. I'm not allowing glyphosate in wheat. I'm not allowing, you know, the stuff in dairy and sugar to inflame my body that, and then I don't have any control over my body. So, um, that's a type of sovereignty. And then 
you know, finally, the the entity that wants to take our sovereignty is the government because they can't because they've gotten away with it and they've perfected the art of mm. of telling us what we can and can't do and also you know doing things like taking away land patents and giving us deeds um hooking us in with the birth certificate the marriage license um voter registration and then DMV. Now, by the way, I'll still have a driver's license and register my vehicles for now because police don't yet understand what it means to be sovereign. And so they're going to haul you in and throw you in jail and handcuff you for if, you know, if you tell them, hey, no, I'm a non-citizen national. I'm, I'm not privy to your statutes and your ordinances. Um, they'll just go, yeah, buddy, whatever. And they'll haul you in. So for now, you know, I'm allowing them to hook me in with the driver's license and the registration, but that still doesn't allow the government to take advantage of me because in other areas I've changed my status. So that's kind of how I look at sovereignty. It starts with emotions. It goes into health. And then after that, it moves into how I do business with everybody. And then finally, how I do business with the government. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that's super cool. It just taking responsibility first with your, with your, with your body, your body is your temple and, and you can control that. And then once you can control that, you're, you're more in control of your ability to move around and control what comes out of your mouth. What goes, if you can control what goes in your mouth, you could probably control what goes out of your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 you know, it's, we're back to that original question I asked you, which was, how did it feel? when you realized that you had to move and you had to homeschool your kids, I imagine that feeling was pretty intense and dramatic. And I imagine a lot of people are going through that right now as they begin to realize, you know, what it's going to take for them to get where they want to get to. Yeah. You have to dive pretty deep. I mean, because I'm not doing this by myself, you know, I <laughs> had to, I had to be, you know, the best salesman of my life to <laughs> right to convince my wife mm. that you know this is a, an amazing opportunity you know mm -hmm. for for you to spend all of your time with our kids mm. Mm. <laughs> you know and it's been a huge blessing and awesome rewards um but um you definitely have to challenge yourself to do things that are outside the box like people are going to call you crazy and we're at this place where we're kind of laughing now, you know, at, <laughs> right? Because like people, our family will FaceTime us. And then in the background is this like lush, like flowing pasture that mm. goes for miles, you mm. know? And we're like, this is our backyard, everybody. Mm. Like, I don't own it or anything like that, but it's where I am right now. And I'm, mm. You know, I'm really grateful for that and grateful for the community that I'm involved with. I would have never had the opportunity to be living in a place where we make community dinners and it's from the meat that is grown right here on the land. And, you know, that's that's a huge reason right there why I got into this is like I was, you know, considering veganism and trying all the different diets because I you know, worked at Erewhon Natural Foods and, mm -hmm. you know, did all that. And I had to take it to the next level. If I'm going to consume meat, I want to be the one. I want to be the one that raises it. I want to be the one that is in the process of killing it or 
you know, I want to be take responsibility hmm. for that instead hmm. of just reading the labels. You know, <laughs> if you can read the labels and you understand and you can understand the psychology on the packaging only to to a certain extent, does that cut it? Hmm. The next level is actually going or becoming the source of your food or being the choice for others, right? Hmm. The first part is voting with your dollars. The second part is giving people choices. You know, Chris, the, a lot of, a lot of eggs you buy, even at sprouts will tell you that these chickens are organic pasture raised. And then it says vegetarian fed. Do you know, chickens are carnivores. Mm. They, they want to eat bugs. Like that's right. They're, don't just give them vegetarian stuff. It, it's just the number of lies that are out there. It's, just mind boggling. And so by you taking responsibility for your food, it's like night and day, like you're suddenly a free man and everybody else that buys eggs at Sprouts you know, don't even know that they're being lied to. I mean, when I hear that, what I hear is that chicken is raised in confinement. Mm. It, it it doesn't have the choice of anything mm. except for that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> our chickens, our chickens out here, they have, the best life in the commercial food world. Yeah. You know, cause obviously the best is when you have chickens at home. I always tell people, if you want the best quality food, then you grow it. yourself. Exactly. Exactly. That goes for everything, including cannabis. I was growing cannabis for cancer patients and dear God, my cannabis was so good. I mean, I would even smoke it and be like, holy smokes, this is good. Like so much better <laughs> than anything I could get at a store. And I'm, I'm not a cannabis smoker, but occasionally for sleep I do. And I was just blown away by the quality of doing it myself. Yeah, absolutely. Like when, cause you know, all the inputs. Yeah. You, you, you are, there's no question about it. Like you don't there's, have to read a label or call the farmer or talk to the farmer's market. You, you knew can, exactly. You can cut corners on everything you produce to make more money, or you could do it the right way, not cut corners. And it's just, they're never going to tell you, but you'll know that you didn't cut corners and get a better mm -hmm. product. Yeah. And that's because they're running a business and they're, <laughs> they're supporting people like people are relying on them so yeah. they have profit margins yeah and so if they're not meeting their profit margin then quality is probably going to get cut yeah that's the first thing that's going to go that's that they're not going to tell you um on it's on their website that it says they eat this well maybe they did for eight months but maybe for mm. three months they didn't yeah when, when you bought that product it's just yeah you never know you just don't know and you can't really rely on the food anyway like you know because it could it could you know commod commodity you know feed can go down at any time yeah and all these farms are reliant on soy and corn and all these commodities and without them they wouldn't they wouldn't exist they're not they don't have like solid roots like they're not they they're not producing food from the ground up hmm like, like if, if you, in your, in your homestead, if you were able to grow a plant to feed your animal or harvest some bugs for your chicken, mm -hmm. you know, it all mm -hmm. comes right mm -hmm. from that square footage. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And it, that's, that's what I consider ground up mm-hmm. as opposed to across the land. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about community, Chris, it's going to be so great when we all get our communities going. And then when we go on vacation, we'll just go on vacation to each other's communities. <laughs> I know. I know. I just had that thought the other day. It's just like, it's so hard to run a farm and stay there all year long. And well, what if we just created a network of people to, you know, just like a private network, right? Yeah. Where like I come over to your farm and let you go somewhere else, which is someone else's farm, but it's in, you know, the Virgin Islands or whatever. (laughs) Who knows? And it's like Mexico. Yeah. And it's like my community will have a bunch of musicians, right? And we'll be creating our own stuff. And then your community will have a bunch of musicians. And then, you know, we'll have concerts from time to time and we'll share musicians, you know, and, and help pay for their travel. And I, I, you know, I just see it as it's going to be so much more organic. People don't know that Hollywood is run on a slave system and there's nothing real about anything there, including the music. I mean, you may like the music, but you don't really know what music's like that comes from an organic source. You know, mm-hmm. I have I have friends that make music that are outside the Hollywood system and it's mind blowing, but nobody will ever hear it because it's, uh, you know, there's no money to market it. Mm-hmm. And, and so a lot of that stuff just travels word of mouth. But um yeah, it's going to be cool when we revamp the whole system and suddenly we're making, you know, really good music together that is organic. Yeah, I'm so excited. Well, awesome. It's been such a dream, you know, to talk to you. You're this is a part of of thank you for being a part of my journey. Mm-hmm. Um at this part of the show, I don't know if you heard in some of my other interviews, I do a kind of a spontaneous uh, manifestation conversation. So we go about five years in the future. <laughs> this is based off of uh, Neville Goddard's uh, uh, technique for for looking at a place. You feel yourself in a place and imagine what it was like before, before yeah. you created all this great stuff. Yeah. So I remember a time sitting here in my body rooted in the ground in California where I grew up. And I remember a time where it was under lockdown and people were afraid to say what they really wanted to say. They were afraid to live uh, from their heart and express into the world what they really believed in. And they went through the motions and took jobs that were just presented to them. And they, Uh, said things to people just to please them. And so I'm really grateful to be in this world now where people do what they really want to do. And they don't care what people think if they're weird or not. They just, they do it because they love it. Hmm. Yeah. I remember a time when the only choice kids had to do with their days was to go to public education. And I just remember how, you know, horrifying it was for them not to have any freedom, you know, to, to, to have a free face without a mask and then, you know, freedom to say, Hey, this, 
this stuff we're reading, you know, the parents didn't have any freedom to say this stuff my kids reading isn't appropriate for them. And I, I just remember how um, hard the establishment tried to hold on to their old ways of public education. And it just, you know, the, clo- the schools just started closing one by one by one. And until now, you know, public education is in the minority. But, but back then, I just remember how hard, you know, they tried to convince students that they knew what's best for them. And it just wasn't working and it made them look so stupid. But, you know, that's what they had to do to try to hold on. Yeah, I remember back then and people would go into restaurants and they would just blindly put things into their mouth that they had no idea where they came from. They would just, just because it had a pretty picture on the menu and it cost the right amount of money that they felt spending, that they would just shove it into their body, regardless of what it might do to them, that they were just willing to just put whatever they saw out in the world that looked appealing and just push it into their, into their gaping hole. And regardless of the outcome, and so it's, it feels really good to be a part of this world, this current world where people are not anal, but, you know, like they just are in touch. They're, they're mm-hmm. not Portlandians by any means, but they're, but they just know that their neighbor um, raised that chicken and, and raised that, that hatched that egg. Hmm. Yeah. I, you know, also I remember when money was so important. And what you did for a living was so important. And now, like when somebody needs help on their farm, we all go help them. Mm. And it's hilarious to me that it's like we're going back 200 years and the community gets together to help somebody when they need it. Um, it's, it's not about paying somebody. Sure, people get paid for the work they do, but in terms of the basic needs to get everybody in the community by it's uh, it's so heartwarming just to know that people are helping each other. And it, it also seems like people don't have the need, you know, to commit suicide, to be so uh, um, harmful to themselves. It's like everybody really, it's so weird to see this transition from everybody being an addict to, 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 to everybody, you know, wanting to enjoy life. It's crazy. <laughs> and thank you so much, Jeff. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I just love this. I, it started with, um, uh, Saul Luckman, Do you know, Saul Luckman. Yeah. Yeah. He was on the podcast and just, he kind of introduced me to that from another podcast that he did. I just love it. I just think it's, it's what it's all about because it's about creating together. And that's what this podcast is for is creating community and connecting like-minded people. And it's just, I feel like a new paradigm of podcasting. Like I don't want to just do this because I think it's a cool marketing tool. I want to do this to really connect with people and, and feel that and have those feelings that, I'm rich, you know, no matter what, no matter what goes down, you know, we're all abundant creatures. And so thanks for doing all your hard work and educating people and fighting the good fight. And, but, um, I don't know, where can people find your stuff? I, I, I like your Substack. stack. Uh, 
Do you want to give the name of that in any, any yeah. other places? Yeah. If you go to Substack and just put in the search bar, Jeff Weitzman, and then you can put Jeff Weitzman on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Telegram, and find me in those places. And then my website with my films is jwfilms.org. And on jwfilms.org, you'll see a list of all the films. You can rent them or purchase some. And um, if that doesn't work, you'll find them on iTunes and Google Play as well. Uh, I got kicked off of Vimeo, so I'm not on Vimeo anymore. But um, yeah, that's where people can find me. And uh, by the way, Chris, I just want to say thank you for what you're doing because what you're doing is bridging the gap for all of us because you're, you know, you and I are kind of new to this whole thing and that helps other people that are new to it to feel comfortable because we're not, you're not talking down to them. You're talking alongside them and saying, yeah, let's find this together. So thank yeah. you. Thank you, Jeff. I yeah. really appreciate it. Yeah.